Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, we interview John, a certified financial planner who shares his insights on navigating the tax systems between our two countries so you can enjoy Portugal's incredible lifestyle. Learn the financial framework for a smooth transition to your new life in this stunning country. Hey, Josh and Kaylee, good to see you guys. It is good seeing you from the inside of this cruise ship, Dan. Hey, Dan, back at it again. Yeah, we are. You guys somewhere in the Atlantic? Yep, we are somewhere in the Atlantic for sure. I actually don't know where. A couple days ago, we passed Bermuda. Well, we stopped at Bermuda. Well, we stopped at Bermuda, but we also passed Bermuda. (laughs) Uh, Just through the tip of the Bermuda Triangle, we got a certificate (laughs) to prove it. That we survived it. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny, like, seeing the triangle on a map and then seeing our route. Like, we definitely did not go through the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) No, it was just the very top part. Yeah, we definitely avoided it. Just helps them sell t-shirts. So we were in Bermuda, and now we're somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic on our way to Madeira, actually heading to Portugal. Yep, Madeira, and then a couple of stops in Spain before we get to Barcelona and fly back to Porto. Yep. So if you hear any sort of movement from the ship, we're we're rocking a little bit right now. So you hear like the creaking noise, I guess, in our in our stateroom. Yesterday was rough and today is supposed to be rougher. I think it was about the same. I think that it gets pretty kind of I think it gets pretty rocky at night. At least maybe that's when I notice it the most because I'm just laying in bed. 
I think that's when you notice it the most because it we are rocking. And especially when you look out and you see like the big swells. Um, so we do rock during the day. But yeah, I guess at night when everything's kind of quiet, and you're just laying there. You maybe you feel it a bit more. Or you think you feel it more, but it, it's off and on. I mean, we're in the middle of the Atlantic. So you imagine it's like there's nothing out here. So it would have to be quite rocky. You know, I think it hopefully be a little better when we get closer to land. 20 foot swells. Wow. But but apparently we do hit a part of the Atlantic tomorrow where the ocean calms down. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's been fine. No motion sickness or anything. And sea has been great. Well, that's good. Uh, she, I don't even know. I mean, we keep telling her we're on a boat and we look out the water, but she keeps calling at a hotel, which is <laughs> fine. But no motion sickness for her, which is good. But I it will be glad to not move as much at night because... The sound is actually what's waking me up. I'll wake up not because of the movement, but like just like the creaking of like the walls and stuff. And it can be a little loud. So that's waking me up a little bit. I actually put the pillow over my head last night and I think it helped. I didn't realize that. And uh, yeah, so don't blame me if, if Kaylee doesn't wake up. <laughs> His pillow's over it. I leave a hole for me to breathe. You should try it. <laughs> should I? <laughs> now, Josh, between you and I, pretend Kaylee isn't here. How is it being stuck on a cruise ship with your in-laws? Dan, it's not being stuck on a cruise ship at all. Um, really enjoy them. Nice. They're actually getting a lot of good quality time with Valencia. And it's funny because Valencia basically every day, a couple times a day, begs to go to their, their stateroom and hang out with them. Oh, that's sweet. That's kind of been a surprise. Not that she wants to hang out with them. Just like how much excitement she has to go to their room and spend a couple hours. We have no idea what they're doing in there. <laughs> those couple of hours well my mom did come with toys and things to do so yeah. and they have a little balcony area so that's nice as well compared to our room but i think it's more about the different toys that my mom brought and both of them are very good with sia yeah well. and they take her around the ship i mean there's just so much to do so even just walking and different spots to play but then the ship also has something called camp at sea which is like a kids club which is really nice and she enjoys going to that. There's a couple other kids around the same age. And so they have fun there too. Yeah. That's super cool. But hey, all in all, it is definitely not being stuck on a cruise with uh, my in-laws at all. <laughs> Thankfully, you guys have a good relationship. <laughs> well, Josh, you're a good husband. And a big hello to my mother-in-law, a huge Expats Everywhere fan. Hi, Sandra. <laughs> That's really funny. Hi, Sandra. Hey, Sandra. So tell us all about this ship you're on. How's everything been? Yeah, well, like like we said before, uh, we've had a couple of rocky days and kind of explaining our navigation route. We've only had one stop so far, so there's not a ton to say in terms of what it's been like uh, doing the whole transatlantic. I think if it's someone's first cruise, I would not recommend doing transatlantic. If you have some experience cruising, whether it be the Caribbean or otherwise, Maybe give it a go. Okay. Because it's definitely rockier than, than other times. And funny enough, we were in the hotel in Florida before leaving on the transatlantic. And we heard a guy say that during the five days at sea stretch, that it was going to be thought provoking. <laughs> and we just cracked up. We were like thought provoking. Yeah. We were just like, yeah, the five days at sea, it's just, it's just thought provoking. We, we, like, we, literally, really? we literally laughed out loud. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> but, like, talk? Yeah, it was kind we of were, funny. We were not in the conversation. We were just overhearing a conversation, but we laughed about it. Thought provoked. Yeah, so we are in that five-day stretch of five days at sea. 
and we've had a lot of fun. I don't think it would be thought-provoking. What do you think? We've played games. We've watched movies. We've, I don't know, what else have we done? We've eaten a lot. That's the only bad thing about a cruise is there's so much good food and variety that you just find yourself eating. So we've Uh, worked out too. (laughs) We've found ourselves eating way too much. I I think to answer your thought-provoking question, uh, (laughs) it would be thought-provoking if you were on a sailboat. Oh, no, no, no. I, I think I'm like a sailboat. A, if you're like a deep person, it would be thought provoking. I, I guess you could sit out and look out over the vast ocean that you're in for five days and just think. But I'm not a thinking man. I think there's too much <laughs> to entertain and do on the cruise that you it kind of loses the whole thought provoking aspect. I think if you're on like a small sailboat or a yacht or something like that and there's nothing else to do. Yeah. But look into the vast ocean, then maybe you would you would find that thought provoking. You could journal, you could do that stuff. But I mean, we have TVs, and I mean, there's a casino, and there's free you know free flowing drinks from certain places. Like when you go to the art auctions and stuff. So it's like I don't know. There's a lot of distractions. <laughs> well, I would say. I would say it's like being in Las Vegas, like a Las Vegas resort. Okay. That rocks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Slightly. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, it is like being in a massive hotel with tons of restaurants and overpriced things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. But it's a lot of fun. We like it. A lot of fun. And and we've done a lot of cruises. So this is our first transatlantic. And so far it's good because, yeah, we really like, uh, yeah, I mean, the days at sea, they tend to be a lot of fun, you know. And for us, um, Bermuda was a new country, but obviously we've been to Madeira and, um, Spain, but we will be, um, one city in Spain that we didn't actually get to when we lived there. So a few new places for us, but more about just the experience and. But we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. We'll That'll talk about next week. We'll talk about what? The cities in Spain. Oh yeah. We'll get to that next week, I guess. We'll get to that next week. <laughs> yeah. Next week it is. But tons of stuff going on, uh, with you, the YouTube channel. We have limited access. Um, but we've got some content lined up for when we get off the ship and get stuff uploaded. So we're looking forward to getting more content out to people. Nice. Yeah, definitely limited access. So if you've emailed and there's been a bit of delay, that would be why. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, Josh met with John. What a knowledgeable guy. And he gets double points for having a great microphone. John definitely had the best mic set up of anybody that we've spoken with. No doubt. Yeah, fantastic. Super knowledgeable guy. Had a great conversation with him. I hope that I didn't geek out too much for the audience, but anybody interested kind of in this whole international investing, living abroad, how to do it as an American while in Europe, that whole thing, man, we cover a lot of ground. Yes, you do. And it was awesome. I learned a lot. Kaylee, where do you guys know John from? John actually reached out to us. He, he saw us on YouTube, and obviously what he has and what he does is quite valuable to expats. So we got in a conversation and thought it would be a great podcast episode to, to chat about these things and really dive deep into what he does and how he can help expats. Awesome. Yeah, and a contact we'll likely rely on for other content pieces for YouTube. So this probably won't be the last you hear of John. Well, I certainly hope not. And listener, don't forget, last call for questions. Send those to podcasts at expatseverywhere.com if you want your question answered on a Q&A session we do right here. That's right. Our Q&A episode will be out in a few weeks. So this is our last call for questions. Podcast at expatseverywhere.com. 
And we'll be back with John right after this. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. All right, listener, we are here with John. I'm really excited about this interview. He is a certified financial planner from the U.S. that lives in Portugal. He knows both worlds. Hey, John, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Thank you so much for joining us on Let's Move to Portugal. I'm really excited about this episode because we get to dive into something that I'm personally excited about. I'm, I'm passionate about. It's interesting to me. I hope it's interesting to the listener. And most importantly, it's really important for people to be prepared for some of the things that we're going to discuss because we're talking about finances, we're talking about taxes. And some people might run and hide when you talk about finances and taxes, but it's really important when you're moving to another country to talk about these things. How about we start with tax implications living in Portugal from an American point of view, because most of our listeners are American and Kaylee and I are American. So I'm hoping that I'll glean something that will help us out. What are the tax implications of living in Portugal? Well, taxes are generally where everybody wants to start or, you know, they don't want to start. The people that I talk to are people that are sort of self-selecting. So they're actually going towards the things that they are the most afraid of, which is taxes. 
But the good news here, Josh, is, is that taxes are nothing to be afraid of um, because Portugal wants us here. So you're probably aware that there's the non-habitual residence tax status that we can claim if we're either retiring to Portugal or if we are engaged in some form of high value activity, right? So if you're a digital nomad, it's like probably the most popular group of people coming here, you're going to get to have NHR, non-habitual residency. And so you're basically going to just keep on behaving like you did back home because the United States is going to be with you for life. The US is one of, I think, two countries that follows you everywhere you go. So your filing requirements never change at all. So you're basically going to be taxed like an American because the NHR will cap you out at 10 or 20% flat on your global taxes. So you're basically going to be filing in Portugal and America every year, which is a pain in the butt, but you're not going to pay extra taxes. That's the thing that people get really concerned about. And your listeners can just sort of <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief. You're not going to have to pay more, so you're not going to get double dipped. And why is that? Why is there no double dipping that people have to worry about? So the countries are working together. So you are going to be filing with both countries, but there is a tax treaty that exists between the two countries. And so the tax treaty, it allows the, the, the governments to keep us from evading taxes, but it is good. What it boils down to, the tax treaty says that the country in which you are currently residing in, which for most of us, once we become a tax resident of Portugal, is Portugal, they get to tax us first. And so then we pay our taxes in this country. And as I said, hopefully you're going to get that tax holiday of FNHR. And so then you're going to pay your taxes at a, whatever level you pay. Um, when you have the 10 or 20% cap, that's probably a little bit less than you pay in the United States. And then you file in the US. And then in the US, you're effectively going to uh, file your return. And it says you owe the government X. And it's based on the same income that you reported to Portugal. But then, you know, you compare the two values. So if you paid $10,000 to the Portuguese government, and then the U.S. government says that you owe $8,000, then you don't owe the U.S. government anything because you're going to get a credit for that $10,000. And that will credit against what you pay in the U.S. And since $8,000 is less than $10,000, you don't owe anything in the U.S. And in fact, you have $2,000 extra that you can roll over in the next year if you need to. But if you owe $12,000 in the U.S., then you're going to pay 2000 to the US, right? So you're basically going to get topped up to whichever is the higher of the two. So it's a little bit more work. Um, and especially like the first year, you should probably use a good tax lawyer uh, here in Portugal and keep with somebody in the US that's not afraid to have someone international as a CPA. You know, just use professionals the first year. For sure. Um, and make sure that you see what they're doing. Right. And then it's, it's cool. That's a great piece of advice. So let, let's talk a bit about how long that tax holiday is. And then we'll get into a little more nuance with the tax implications for some people, retirees. I think it's much more straightforward, but I think there are some people now moving to Portugal with a job or as freelance workers that things could get a little murky. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean? Uh, people that have their own company. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 You're right. Uh, 10 years on NHR? 10 years. 10 years flat. And one time only. Yeah, one time only. So, and if you don't file for it, 
you could be totally iced out. You know, don't forget to file because the Portuguese government is, is for real with that. Like if you forget to file, you may miss out entirely, which is going to feel awful because if you're not on NHR, this is a socialist country, right? And man, as much as we like to complain about taxes in the US, like they're paying top rates as soon as they make 75,000 euros. And that's 48%, man. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's like twice as much. Like yeah. I have a tax calculator that I've designed for Americans and it shows you. So if you're making 200 grand, you know, US that you want to complain about is like $30,000. In, in Portugal, you're paying like 55,000 euros. So you better sign up. Yeah. It's 10 years. Sign up by the end of March on the year after you take residency, correct? Right. That's, that's exactly right. Okay. So people that have their own business and get paid by the business, I assume would pay their business taxes in the U.S. And then whenever they take profit, that profit would be income and they would pay that in Portugal. How does that work? Man, you just went right into it, Josh. Like that's... Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> we, we actually get this question quite a bit. So here's the thing. If you have an LLC structure, then things get a little interesting. And if you have a corporate structure then they're a little bit less interesting, but they're still interesting. Because yeah, like the Portuguese government, or I guess the IRS here, which is confusing because it's also called the IRS, uh, they can't see into the LLC. And so it's really important that you um, that you do things right. Because uh, yeah, if you get the money in your LLC, you know, you, you make your money and you pay yourself from the LLC, it can be considered a dividend to the Portuguese IRS. And dividends are taxed less. They're actually taxed a lot less. So if you characterize it with your tax lawyer here as a dividend payment, it's going to get taxed at 0%. Okay. So yeah, I don't want to like misconstrue that because I'm not trying to tell everyone to go out and do that. They're just seeing it as a dividend, even though it's not, right? Well, in the US, we look at the LLC structure as a pass-through, okay, which means that it's basically like the same yep. as if you were just you with your LLC. Crazy. Okay. And by the way, the US is still going to be taxing you at normal rates. So if you're paying zero to Portugal, you're paying US rates still. Right. But yeah, like the Portuguese don't see LLCs or personal trusts as the same as we do. They, they consider them to be a separate entity. So that's important to understand. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's, that's wild. It is super wild. But, but here's the thing though, like don't try to get into any monkey business or shenanigans with this because sure. if you end up paying them nothing for a number of years, you're going to get audited. If you get audited and it's shown that you are just you and there's no one else on your LLC, they're going to say, well, that structure is kind of bogus and we're just going to tax you as you. But if it's a for real LLC with a partner back home, okay, then that changes things. So if it's like a multi-member LLC, then it's legit and you can just go about your business in the way that we just described. So, okay, yeah. What about the foreign earned income exclusion? Mm -hmm. How does that work? And can you explain what foreign earned income exclusion is for the listener that doesn't know? Well, the foreign income exclusion is just the first thing that I mentioned, which is that you get an exclusion on all of your income that was already taxed here. So if you were already taxed on $100,000 that you made in Portugal, you got taxed on it, then you could exclude that income on your your tax return back in the United States, and so you're not going to get you're not going to get uh, well. You get a full credit, dollar for dollar, on on the income that you earned here in Portugal. 
Okay. Shifting gears a bit, what's the best way someone should manage their money while they're living abroad? Same way. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'll tell you a story, actually. Uh, the first landlord that I had in Portugal was a financial advisor. Uh-huh. And so I was like, hey, what's up, bro? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, tell me about your business, man. Do you invest using uh, like Portuguese resources? You invest in the DAX, all these things. And he's like, what are you, stupid? I just invest in the U.S. stock market. <laughs> and if I can help it, I just use U.S. custodians. So yeah, like everything uh, that you know about investing as an American, do as much of that um, as you can. Because the U.S. markets are like the most heavily used or the most tested. There's the most money in it. So our consumer protections, rights, and abilities as U.S. investors are top notch. So that's what you should know is is that just to the extent that you can, and there's a big asterisk on that, there's ways to mess this up. You got to keep using your U.S.-based system for investment because the U.S. is a really strong market. Okay. Are there any technical banking issues that people might run into, though, living abroad? Mm. Well, there's like, you know, the reporting requirements, right? So like we said, the U.S. is gotcha no matter where you go. Mm -hmm. So you have to, if you have $10,000 in the bank in the EU, you have to file what's called the FBAR form every year. And if you have $50,000 or more in assets, so that includes real estate in the EU, then you have to file what's called the FCAT form. And if you don't file those forms, it is crazy how expensive. Big penalty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the penalties are so big. I think it's like 50% excise tax on the unreported values. Yeah. That's obnoxious. I, I know. Per year. Yeah. For a year. So like I met this international tax lawyer who had this crazy client who didn't report on a $4 million asset that he had. And like, he literally got a bill for $2 million from the IRS. Was he able to fight it? He did fight it, but I don't think successfully. Oh my goodness. Because the rules are pretty clear. Yeah. Like if you have that kind of money and you're running around. You shouldn't owe. Yeah. Like if you have that kind of money and you don't have someone like me, like helping you, come on. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the thing. You got to file home your your F bar and your F cat, and then some custodians won't have anything to do with you if you live abroad. So like, okay, I mean, I'll name names. Some of the big ones, yeah, yeah, like Vanguard. Yeah, no thanks. Uh-huh. Like, uh, I think Fidelity is not too keen on Europe because you know Europe. I mean, Europe has gone toe to toe with Google. Like they're, uh, what is it, GDPR? Right. Like GDPR is is serious. They don't want certain kinds of information to be collected on people. And so once you're residents of the EU, you're going to have all of these issues that your home custodian is going to have to deal with. So you can only work with a couple custodians freely. Okay. Is Charles Schwab one of those? Schwab's a good one. Right. Yeah. I use Charles Schwab. Um, I also use interactive brokers. Um, uh-huh. And there's a couple yeah. of other backups to the backups that I keep okay. just in case things go south, because they do sometimes. It's good to have redundancies. Mm-hmm. So where where do you sit on whether or not somebody should convert all of their dollars into euros whenever they move? Well, first of all, like a lot of people, they don't know how long they're going to be here. That's the first question I ask anytime somebody contacts me. I'm like, are you going to be here for a year or five years? You're going to be here for your whole life? Because if you're not going to be here forever, of course, you don't make all these radical decisions. But then when it comes to like fluctuations in Forex, in uh, exchange rates, 
that's tough. It's kind of like reading the stock market, right? Because it's inherently unpredictable. My best recommendation is always just to keep a year's worth of living expenses in euros if you're living in the eurozone and the rest of your money probably keep it home for the reasons I mentioned before. You know, with interest rates going up with the Fed, you can get a pretty good rate on cash in the US now. So like if you can get a five and a half percent on a six month T-bill and you get like 2% here still in the banks, then like it's really still not better to take the money over into euros unless you like know something about the next year. Good point. You know, like with stocks. Like, do you know what the stock market's going to do in a month? I sure don't. Yeah. Like, I wish I had a crystal ball to look into. Yeah. Did you, did you ever see Back to the Future too? Like, if I if I had like the sports almanac for the stock market for like a week. Yeah. Yes, please. So Forex works the same way. Of course, like last year when there was parity, I did make a special call to all my clients. Yeah. And said, let's move over like a bunch of money. Yeah. Because this is- it's, it's, It was historic. It was historic. Like not since the euro was introduced, did we have that exchange rate? One to one. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for everybody else though, it's just a guessing game. So you should probably keep your, you know, your like deep stores of cash where they can do the best good for you, which is either in US cash products or the US stock market. Because the U.S. stock market's generally a, a little bit of a safer bet than the EU one. <laughs> right on. You touched on a, a very good number for us to look at, which is one year's living expenses. So I want to ask you a personal question. What do you think one year's living expenses is in Lisbon? Oof, that's tough. I know lifestyles vary, which is why it's tough. But, but what do you think is like a good average from the clients that you work with? Well, I have three children, so that immediately throws me into an uncomfortable zone with spending. As in spending more than you would like. Oh yeah. I mean, international schools. I'm getting off the international schools. Okay. I feel super proud that like, meu português, tenho uma, uma sotaque português, Lisboleta. Isso mesmo. But seriously, like the international schools are expensive. So if you're going to move to Lisbon, like you're going to be spending a lot of money, unfortunately, because the property markets, you talked about this on some of your other YouTube shows, it's really high to live here now. Yep. So you're probably going to need, some people are going to hate me, but like you're going to need like $4,000 a month, 5000 to live a decent life in Lisbon proper. And I know that Porto is a little bit less, but it's not like five years ago, even super cheap. So probably 60, 70, $80,000 a year. Yeah, Kaylee and I feel like a good number, at least up in the north, would be twenty five hundred to three thousand for a couple. Right. I mean, that's that's us. Yeah, you guys are in the zone. Okay. That said, though, if you get outside of Lisbon, if you want to live in Sesimbra, which I would be fine with because it's gorgeous, or the Altejo, you're fine with probably like two thousand a month, which is most people on Social Security, right? Easily, you could do it on a on a smaller budget. You don't have to have three kids and come right into the middle of Lisbon, Portugal in 2023. So it's a rage. You just brought up social security. So we need to touch on this for those retirees out there on social security or, and, or that have a pension from their company back in the States. What are some of the tax implications on that? Cause it's different. Yeah. It's different. Uh, it's different, but it's good. Um, okay. I mean, again, like the NHR tax holiday, like it was kind of designed for the retiree yep. It had the retiree in mind. So you're going to pay a flat 10% on your social security income for the for those 10 years. Okay. It used to be zero, right? Yeah. It used to be zero, but they changed it. 
2020, I think is when they changed it. People that were filed before 2020, I think Mm -hmm. they got grandfathered in. So people have to pay in the U.S. They'll have to pay taxes first on Social Security. Correct. And then they'll get taxed again in Portugal. Correct. Correct. Okay. So that's something that the listener should know. Yeah. That there, there is, in this case, a double taxation because your money gets taxed straight away in the U.S. On, the, on your Social Security. What about on other retirement incomes? Uh, so Non-government-based. Yeah. So that's where it gets interesting from a financial planning standpoint, right? So I do that for a living. So um, I got to have solutions for that. Uh, so if you're getting uh, a pension, a pension is going to be taxed in, in, in pretty much the same way, except there's not withholding. So you're not going to pay at home first. Great. So your pension money comes to, you know, whatever, $1,000 a month. Uh-huh. And then the Portuguese government will assess that 10% at the end of the year or when you file your taxes. Uh-huh. IRAs and Roth IRAs and really every form of retirement account is going to be treated the same way. So it's a foreign pension in the eyes of the Portuguese government. So it's 10%. The IRAs, what's interesting is, is if you're retirement age in the US, you've been collecting money in your 401k, 403b, whatever, usually you have a pretty good amount saved up there. And the really interesting thing I've noticed as a planner is like most people tend to retire at 60 and then they have like, you know, a couple hundred grand maybe, or, or maybe more. And then they wait until they're 71 which has been my approach my whole career so far. You know, as a financial planner, I'm like, why would you pay taxes until you have to? But now you're going to like let your account balances grow and then you're going to take that money, what, 10 years later. You see, the problem is, is you're like $500,000 becomes a million. Yeah. And now you're forced to take required minimum distributions at exactly the moment that you're going to have to start paying 40% on every dollar. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. So when I do my tax planning for people, I'm like, maybe we should take the air out of the bag now. Because <laughs> like, if you let that money grow, like you talk about some guy that saved a million dollars and he's got two million in ten years, right when it counts, he's going to get sucker punched. Because like the government's going to force you to take four, then five, then six, then seven percent out of your account every year. So now you're going to face like a crazy escalation in costs. So that's a curious one. Then I'm like, well. Let's accelerate the payments early out of your IRAs. And this is exactly why people should have someone like you that sees this five, 10 years out, because I, I would not have even thought about that. Well, people's eyes bug out. Yeah. Like sure. I, I show them a picture and I'm like, here's your money growing. You with me so far? Awesome. Yeah. And here's your money getting taxed <laughs> at 50%. How do you like your socialized healthcare now? I mean, I like it. I'm, I'm not trying to take sides on, on the question of universal health care. Sure. But I'm like, that's what you're paying for. So let's just, you know, stack the cards correctly because you got time. That's the beauty thing is, is if you have 10 years to not get taxed yeah. like that, like you have time to actually to do some prep work. Okay. Right on. Any other things that would help out someone that is a close to retirement age looking to move to Portugal, a consideration they need to have both now and in 10 years? You know, there's there's so many things that planners do, right? We talk about estate planning, we talk about healthcare, we talk about insurance. I mentioned the big one right off because that is a big sinker. If you, if you don't learn about how you're going to get taxed heavily on all of your sources of retirement funding in 10 years, that's the big one. We'll talk, we can talk about like health insurance. Okay. Because 
people are surprised when they file for Medicare and they take the extra add-ons, you know, the Part B and Part C, uh-huh. the supplementals to standard uh, Medicare. Uh-huh. Some people are surprised that it doesn't matter here. So it's basically wasted. Right. So if you file for Medicare and you should, and then you file for the supplemental, then you're paying a lot every month for something which is essentially going to be wasted. Okay. Because Medicare does not extend to international care. Well, and once you once you become a resident here, you get on the national system, right? It's all the same. Yeah. And how soon does, does that happen, Josh? Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so surprised. I was like, oh, so what do we have to do? And they're like, and there you go. Yeah. It's been done. Yeah. 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 Nice. Foi fai tu. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and their healthcare system is quite good. If the listeners have any doubt about uh, whether the healthcare system is excellent, you know, as far as like, if you're healthy, their preventative care is every bit as good as my family has experienced right. in the States. It's, it's good. Cool. Okay. So jumping back to this idea of, of a retiree, have you noticed any institutions in Portugal that require people to have their retirement income placed directly into Portuguese banks. Is that a thing? You mean to like satisfy some immigration requirement? Yeah. Or can you selectively move money over? I'm curious about what you're thinking with that. So Kaylee and I haven't run into this issue because we're not at that point uh, in our life yet, but we've heard that some banks here in Portugal, if you're moving as a retiree, they'll want you to show that you're going to be able to directly move money from your retirement accounts into into Portugal on a monthly basis. I've seen that people need to have a balance here okay. that shows that they can substantiate, you know, their rent payment. Yep. Right. Um, I forget what the value is, but it's like, you know, they have to show they have six months of of living expenses in an account. And it is easy to move money here. If your listeners needed to figure out how that works, we could talk about that because it's not hard to move money your Portuguese bank account. It can be hard to get the account opened in the first place. Right. Sometimes. Before we jump into that, on the front end of just being here in Portugal and, and having your accounts in the U.S. open, have you run into any issues of accessing your money back in the States? Because we run into this issue all the time. We have two banks that require us. I'm going to name them Bank of America and Wells Fargo. Uh-huh. But they require us to do a two-factor authentication using a U.S. phone number. Uh-huh. Well, We've gotten rid of our U.S. phone numbers a long time ago. Yeah. So having a workaround for that just doesn't make sense for us. So our workaround is having a family member that can receive that code for us to then access, you know, our online banking. Okay. <clears throat> have you run into this? My clients haven't run into it. I haven't run into it. Okay. Um, I use USAA because our family's been in the military. It's awesome. It, it works just fine. I mean, I can, I use like a, uh, like a mailbox, a virtual mailbox yep. and like I can get checks in the U S and like scan them with my USAA app. And it's just like, yeah, boop. like, yes, I love living in the 21st century, but I also kept my phone, uh, service so I can do the two factor authentication. Yeah. But I can't remember who's forced me to do it. There's some people that have forced me to do it, but no, I, I always tell my clients to keep their, their banking relationships open in the beginning at least, so that they can continue to keep the stream of payments open. But yeah, I know that some institutions uh, are going to have a hard time with you being abroad. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's definitely what we've noticed. Uh, we've had the easiest time with like a regional credit union that is super up to date on their kind of fintech, which has been brilliant. And I think we're going to try to do a little more business with them, Yeah, uh, which is 
a purpose of the trip that we're on right now back in the States. Okay. So what's your preferred method of transferring cash USD to Euro? Well, I use Revolut. Okay. I've used TransferWise too, you know? Yep. So for like just regular monthly stuff, those guys are, they've, they've got it really worked out. Uh, but for people that are doing larger amounts of money, what I have actually found uh, over the last several months is um, you can use transfer agents. Uh, there's a company called Spartan FX. Woohoo! Yeah. We, we just use them. Yeah. Whoa. Like I, as an American, didn't even think this sort of thing could ever exist or be necessary. I know. It's so, it's so bespoke and comfortable to do it, isn't it? Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. This is exactly... How I always wanted it to work, but I didn't think you could do it like this because you send a massive wire from USAA to your Portuguese account and you're like, is it going to get there? Yeah. Is it get yeah. And if you screw something up, it could like end up not getting to your account. You just send a hundred thousand dollars. Uh huh. No. So I'm like, yeah, Spartan FX. Sure. I would love to have somebody just like, like you know, they, they handhold the whole process. Yeah. So that's nice. Oh, well, we had our hands held. Let me, let me tell you. Uh, so Kaylee and I are getting ready to purchase a property uh, in, in Porto and we needed to move a big sum of money over just to do the CPCB, which is like the security deposit, right. the first step of closing the property. And, um, yeah, we spoke to our, our agent, Ben, and he helped us. Wait a minute. Ben, uh, how do you say his last name? Amorate. Yeah, it's an A. Starts with an A. I, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of vowels wow. in there, but yeah, um, it's, I think it's Amoremi. I'm gonna go on record. There you it's go, Ben Amoremi, and he's he's the man. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So I mean, I've spoken to him like on FaceTime or WhatsApp or whatever. Right. But whenever I wanted to transfer the money, I just pinged him a message on WhatsApp, and I said, "I think we're ready. The rates were good, like the USD to um, Euro conversion." And he's like, "Well, just whenever you're ready." Just give me the signal. It's like, I'll, I'll just transfer it for you. I could have gone into the platform and moved it myself. Yeah. But he's like, whenever you're ready, I'll just do it for you. And I was like, no, we're ready. He's like, okay, done. And then I got an email like moments later and it showed me exactly what was done. Yeah. When we jumped on a call, he told me what the rates were. And he's like, look, it, it changes every minute or whatever. Right. But more or less, this is what we're seeing. Uh, it was amazing. So they're currency nerds. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They'll save you a lot of money because their transfer rates are almost nothing. Like I had a client who was transferring money to my house and again, been to the rescue because like the rates were kind of crappy for a few days. Okay. And so Spartan FX let them keep it on their platform in USD until the rates kind of bumped up a little uh -huh. and then they moved the money for them. And it was like, okay. Right. Yeah. Ben was telling me, yeah, if you have USD parked in, in an account there and you say, when it hits X rate, I want you to transfer it. And it does it. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I had no idea that you were going to bring up Spartan FX. Okay, cool. Spartan FX, man. I mean, it's funny how the world is, right? Yeah. We're plugging them. No, but like the Spartan FX thing was mind blowing. Cause I was like, you know, as an American, I'm just used to like using the automated systems, la, 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 la. But like, if you do that, you can end up paying a ton of money. Like I was doing international wires from, uh, from USAA. Love them, but they were charging me like $50 a pop. And I don't love that. And their rates weren't spectacular. And then your money disappears for two days and you're doing big chunks of money and you're like, 
that's a lot of money to just vanish off the planet and they can't tell you anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. like a, a blackout could happen or a solar flare and all your money's gone. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's an interesting thing. So, yeah, so Spartan FX, okay. TransferWise, Revolut. I don't really need anything other than those right now. Yeah. But that's, yeah, there's a lot of good options. We have a couple of friends who use Revolut mainly for small transfers or almost like Venmo or Zelle to send money between other account holders. Mm -hmm. We personally use TransferWise. We've used them for, for quite some time. Used to use Currency Fair. Uh, so we kind of hopped around, but Spartan FX, once we heard about how they do bigger transfers. Uh, and can save you even more than a Revolut or TransferWise can, we decided for the big money moves, things over 10K, we'll just start using Spartan FX. Yeah. So, I mean, plus, doesn't it feel cool? Like they've got that great British accent. Too, yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, well, yeah, of course, we must be doing things, you know, properly. <laughs> yep. Okay. Let's touch base. Last topic on estate planning. Yeah. Yeah. How's estate planning done? both in Portugal and, and in the U.S.? Like, what are some recommendations that you have for that? This is interesting. So uh, the Portuguese don't charge a death tax or whatever you want to call it in the U.S., Yeah. right? So like some Europeans actually move here. Again, I love everybody, but there's a lot of French here that I've, I've been told that they're like, let's move our money here for a while, you know, in, until the next generation takes hold because there's not a death tax here. Yeah. So that's a thing. So there's not going to be a estate tax in the sense that we think of it as, although in the United States, there's still an exemption that exists. And I, uh, I forget what the value is right now, but I think it's like $11 million exemption in the United States. So if you have less than that amount of money, you're also not paying okay. for the turnover. Now, as far as the way that the trust is set up, the U.S. is actually not a part of the Hague Convention. They're on a different system than Europe is. Um, and that's why they don't look at the trusts in the United States the same way, right? So like I had an Italian client who was like, my lawyer says we got to set my trust up totally differently now that we're in Europe. And that is right. Okay. So when you're here, you should actually meet with a local estate planning attorney and either, you know, devise a new will because they don't do personal trusts in the sense that we think of them in the States. They, they kind of don't trust the trust. Okay. Oh, you guys just use those to get around taxes, huh? Uh -huh. I don't like... Not really. And they're like, oh, we don't have anything against the idea of getting around taxes, but no. we don't use trusts the way you do. So you just basically write a will that says, follow the U.S. trusts rules. Okay. That's really it. Like you just have to design a very simple will, which should be next to no money that just says, just follow all of the rules back home. Okay. Because if you don't do that, well then, you know, what could happen is, is you and Kaylee get well, I won't use you. Yeah. I said, oh, someone gets hit by a truck. Yeah. And then like your family's got to like come to Europe to probate, to like deal with the will because you didn't set that little rule up. So you just want to set a little rule up that says, follow what we set up back at home. Okay. And you should be fine. John, if people are interested in learning more about your services and what, what do you do for people as well? What do you do for clients? Well, I got into this business because I just really love the role that money plays in the world. It's always fascinating. It's always changing. Um, and so I deal with all of that chaos for individuals. Okay. You know, I'm a certified financial planner. And so a CFP has to have expertise, not just on investments, which I do, but I also talk about all those other things we talked about. And, and I make sure that everything knits together nicely. 
you know, I'm kind of like a personal organizer or a concierge. And so I do a full financial plan. It's like a general workup of your money. And I just validate that you're doing things right. And then I fill in gaps where you're not doing things right. Um, and then on an ongoing basis, I keep at the knitting. Because, you know, you'd be surprised how many people are messing up on one of these columns. Like they don't like to look at investments. They're not investing their money because they're afraid the stock market's always going to lose the money. So I like show them educationally, like here's how index funds work. Yeah. Yeah. Here's how historically stocks do, yeah. you know, because people have all these preconceptions. It's wild. Yeah. God, there was a guy who had a million dollars in cash for like five years and it was like 2016. And he's like, I'm just waiting for the market to go down. And I'm like, I got news for you. None of us knows when that's going to happen. You should just have some S&P 500. So I kind of like educate people and help them to do investing. Or like people don't have any insurance, right? So I'll do a life insurance analysis. I'll go, look, I'm glad that you make $500,000 a year, but you only have a million dollars saved, which seems like a lot. But like if your kids need to go to college, not enough money there. So let's get a life insurance policy. So like all the things. So when you get a full workup done by a CFP, touches on all those aspects. But then when I got thrown here uh, during the pandemic, now I have a global financial planning designation as well. Okay. So we do that same plan, but then we take it up to that level okay. and go like, okay, now you're moving to Europe. What else do we have to think about? It's mostly cash flow analysis and showing them that like, yeah, you're right on track, but yeah, do a few things. Or for some Americans that are like, I'm sick of living in the US. I'm just going to pull up stakes and move to Portugal. <laughs> I've had that guy. And I'll be like, okay, well, hold on a second, pal. Like, let's just address some things. And so then we, we give treatment to that. Okay. And it's a cool job. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on. What do you charge for your services? And are there minimums that people need to have in terms of assets to, to work with you? So in the old days, I was just assets under management. Uh, which means I charge 1% to do everything. Okay. Uh, and that 1% is assessed against your asset base that I actually manage. Okay. And I still do that. So I watch the markets every single day. And since we're eight hours ahead of it now, I do that. I, I wake up and wa watch the Wall Street Journal and look at the banks and look at all the things happening um, and take action. Okay. That's one, one business that I do is I manage the money and then I do all of the concierge work. But nowadays I also do like a financial planning engagement package, which is like, I'll have people pay me a one-time fee just to make sure that they're doing this global financial planning correctly. Cause a lot of people are like, eh, I understand that you could do investing better than me, but that's a lot. So let's just do a one-time engagement. And so that's just like 500 bucks and I'll, I'll spend a few hours addressing you and giving you a blueprint for you. And then you could decide if you want to hire me for, for good. Okay. But I, I feel like that's reasonable because, yeah, I mean, it's super high intensity to get a financial plan done. For sure. And then, you know, if you, if you like me, uh, then you can bring me on to the team. Cool. I think Kayleen, I might, might take you up on that. <laughs> John, since you're here in Portugal, I've got to ask you the question. At Expats of where we believe that living abroad transforms lives, how has living abroad transformed your life? Oh, well, you know, we don't have to worry about school shootings and we all speak Portuguese and uh, we, uh, we know how to order a proper coffee. It's been beautiful, really. Uh, and we look at the United States in a different way, not worse. I was 
kind of joking about the issues, but like living abroad has afforded us an opportunity to see how the world sees us. And they, they love us, but they've also got some unique issues um, that have been really good to get clued into and to have my kids see. So, you know, just being more worldly, it can't hurt. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think right? Kaylee and I feel that as well. We, we've grown to know what we really love about the U.S., but also what we really need fixed about the U.S., because we've seen the U.S. through other countries' eyes as we've lived in five different countries abroad. So really interesting answer there. Thanks, Sean. Perspective, man. Fun. Thank you so much for meeting with expats everywhere. Let's move to Portugal. We appreciate it. All right. Let's move to Portugal. It was great being on the show. Thanks a lot, Josh. Thank you. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 